Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And happy time zone. Welcome to the first podcast episode of LGBTQ Laughing, Growing, Bantering, and Talking Queerness. Uh, we're a podcast coming to you from the LGBTQ plus culture center on IU Bloomington's campus. I'm Maureen. And I'm Kate. And we're here to talk about a lot of things, but I guess we should introduce ourselves first. So uh, like I said, I'm Maureen. I use she, her pronouns. I um, am a cis straight woman and a grad student at IU, as well as the graduate assistant at the LGBTQ plus culture center. Yeah. And I am Kate. I also use she, her, I am a trans lesbian. Um, and I am the, I'm an undergrad student at IU and I'm the student assistant at the LGBTQ culture center. Um, and I'm also in charge of our training workshops. Awesome. So we're here and we're starting this podcast, um, to, like I said, talk about a lot of things. Um, and this semester we're going to be talking about labels. Um, I don't know, Kate, if you want to go into a little bit how we kind of ended up where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a little bit of an accident to be honest. Right. Um, you know, we, we were, we were brainstorming like topics that would make a good podcast idea. And, you know, we, we got this long list of like different things and we're like, okay, like how do we coalesce this into something coherent? Um, and we noticed, um, that labels was a way that connected a lot of them. Um, and then we started thinking about that a little bit more and we were like, okay, this actually, this actually works. Like, you know, this, this is a, this is an important topic within the queer community, right? Because um, labels influence so much of our identity and the ways that we think about ourselves and the ways that others think about us. Um, and so, although it kind of started as an accident, um, it ended up being by design, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. I, I think labels have so much value to add and, and their connection with language and the way that we perceive the world and understanding all of the things that we can think about related to label really provides kind of a different perspective because I don't know about you, but I feel like labels are usually kind of talked about as if they're these like perfect sort of things. And hopefully through this podcast and the discussions that we have, um, we're able to, to, to describe them more in that broad context, which I think is exciting and interesting. And hopefully all of you who are listening, if anyone is listening, think so too. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, I think labels, like you said, have this, I have this, um, perception of being like monoliths, right. Where like a label is a label and that is the definitive thing. And I think that also contributes a lot to like gatekeeping and other sorts of um, issues like that. So um, yeah, I really hope we're able to deconstruct that um, in this podcast. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to say I'm excited like seven I'm times excited as well. throughout this episode. So fair warning. Um, so I guess with that brief or not so brief introduction, we can dive into this like first big topic of this episode which is what is a label? Um, because in order to have any further discussion, we kind of need to start in the same place, which isn't also, I don't know, this is going to be one of those times where we talk about something and we start out and like, it's this really discreet thing. And 
I think at the end of this episode, it's just going to get messier and messier. It's going to get messier. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think the job of this episode is to confuse the listener. To be honest. <laughs> okay, if you're listening, that was your warning. You might get confused um, for a little bit, and hopefully, we can resolve some of it, or at least provide questions for you to ask, so you can um, further your own education, or you can just like laugh at us. That's fine too. Um, <laughs> so, right, so let's start by talking about some different definitions of labels. Well, Maureen, do you want to start with the dictionary definition? Yeah. So when we kind of were going through and deciding what to talk about, I was like, okay, what does a label actually mean? And um, if you go on the Webster Library website or an actual physical dictionary, um, if anyone has those, <laughs> probably like in my parents' basement. Um, <laughs> but if you look at the actual de- definition of a label, it refers to something that's like very concrete or discreet, um, something like a written or printed matter accompanying an article to furnish identification or other information, or thinking about like the tag you have in the back of your shirt. Um, it is like a label on a can of vegetables or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's these things that are attached to very concrete items, very tangible things that are super easy to wrap your mind around. Like if you talk about a can of soup, like Everyone knows what a can of soup is. Right. And you can like list the ingredients and then like, you know, there's a definition of like, oh yeah, if it has these ingredients, then it's soup. Yeah. And you can draw a picture of it. You could, you know, write a description of it. And most people would have very fairly similar ideas of what that is. Um, But we also use them to talk about people and traits and I think, societal things, right? Yeah. And I think that that is really makes it challenging to talk about this topic because we, we know that these labels are used to describe someone. They're used as descriptors. They're kind of this shorthand way of saying what we really mean. And that can lead to a lot of really interesting conversations, but it can also kind of lead to this like confusion or overgeneralization or undergeneralization of people who share the same qualities or traits or what have you. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's really tricky because labels, when it comes to like people and societal things and stuff like that, you know, it's not that concrete, right? Everything's, everything is messy um, because people, you can't measure people. I mean, you can measure how tall they are, but <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. You know, um, <laughs> you can't measure, there's no, there's no test for whether you're gay enough. You know, there's no test for whether you're trans enough, um, nor should there be. Right. But, um, you know, there's not like, you can't put an ingredients list on a, on a person. Like you can't slap a nutritional facts label Wouldn't on their forehead. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we could though, <laughs> but people don't work like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think that's sort of the main thrust of, of this conversation is like, you know, you can't, um, you can't just assume that the label dictates the contents of the person like you would, like you would for a can of soup, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And the way that we use a label back to this whole dictionary kind of idea of what the formal definition of something is is that the dictionary definition of each of these labels that we may talk about. So what does the dictionary, what does like research and literature, what are they using as their definition? And I'm using quotes. Um, 
because usually they're pretty loose definitions and they say that they're not perfect definitions, but they do have to, you know, be defined in the context of writing a paper or providing information usually. And how do they differ from the way that we use them in our everyday language or that colloquial use of um, this, these labels in this language that is attached to the LGBTQ community. Right. And well, here, here's an example for you, right? Um, so do you, if you read an academic paper about trans people, right, you're going to see transgender defined as someone who identifies as the opposite gender compared to their sex at birth. Um, but when we, when we use that word colloquially within the community, um, trans can, can incorporate a large number of identities, not necessarily just, um, you know, the binary um, female to male or male to female options, um, lots of different non-binary identities and things like that, um, that might fall under that label of trans, but that sort of, that isn't necessarily reflected in like academic li literature or even some, you know, more basic level um, educational literature either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And aside from like academic language versus language from people who are everyday using it in the community, there's also this <clears throat> excuse me, this language of uh, people who are less familiar or who have less um, interactions with people who use certain terms to describe themselves. Um, and so there's differences in those definitions too. I don't know if you want to go into um, that TikTok that you yes. saw that you thought of when you, when you were thinking of this topic. Yes, yes. So I'm sure most of, most of the people listening know either John Green or Hank Green. Um, pretty famous content creators. Um, and so Hank Green posted a TikTok. Um, it's probably several months ago now, but um, there is, um, so he basically got a question whether ice is a rock. And he's like, well, of course not. And then he's like, wait a second. It's a mineral. It's a crystalline structure and it's found naturally on earth. And it's a, it's solid at most, you know, at the temperature that it's found. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it is a rock right like it's like it's naturally there it's like comes from the ground um and then he's like okay wait a second well if if ice is a rock then is water lava because it's it's a melted rock right and then if if, if water is lava does that make people lava monsters <laughs> Right. And so it, you know, it's, it's an absurd example. Right. But I think I think it's really useful when having this sorts of these sorts of conversations, because, you know, it, it really shows, um, you know, we have these um, we have these definitions and we have these words and, and labels uh, that we use to that help us describe our world. Right. It, it, it's useful to know what a rock is, especially if you're you know a caveman and you're trying to fight off a saber toothed tiger. Um, but sometimes those definitions have messy edges. It's not exactly clear what's included and what's not included. And we have to make that, we have to draw those lines for ourselves in the way that's most useful. Absolutely. And I guess that brings us to this next thing that we want to talk about, which is if labels are so messy, but they are functional, like what are the, the positives? What are the ways that labels kind of can empower people? And what are the benefits of of using all of these label labels and having these definitive kind of, or maybe not so de definitive terms that we can use to describe one another. Um, and I think there's a lot of really great ones. Um, one thing that I think is really powerful is this idea of finding 
a community of people who are connected um, through their use of shared labels or shared terminology or shared descriptions. Um, and having that as this connecting factor to say like, hey, you also identify this way. I know that we have probably something or some kind of shared experience between us. And that is a really helpful tool in a world where, you know, the society is not super nice to LGBTQ people in general. And so being able to connect with people, even just based off that one factor, because you're using that shared sense, it provides so much support, um, which is a really big benefit of these labels. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I think being able to find that connection and even just like share like tips and stuff, you know, um, because like, you know, when you think about like um, cis men or cis women, they have examples of, you know, have they have friends who have similar bodies and social presentations to them um, and, and parents usually um, that they can ask for advice on like personal care stuff or fashion or whatever. Right. Um, and trans bodies, for example, don't necessarily have that, right? Um, or or um, when it comes to like sex ed, right? Um, especially, you know, a lot of a lot of sex ed is not inclusive of, of LGBTQ plus people. Um, so having, you know, community to talk about those things and share um, tips and, and safety measures, you know, can be can be super, super important. Absolutely. I, yeah, it's well, and as a cis person, I can say like, I could talk to my mom all the time. Right. Like, and I can't even imagine not having that role model or having to go out and like find that those people to connect with on that level. Like, I, right. Well, and we're not even talking about like cases of family rejection, right. It's just right. like, you know, if your mom is cis, she doesn't necessarily know the best way to shave exactly. your facial hair so that it doesn't, it's not visible. Right, right. Exactly. Like that's, you know, that's not, and it's not something that your dad probably ever had to worry about. So, exactly. you know, it, it's just stuff like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk to you about aside from this community kind of and connection piece is this idea of these labels also serving as a way to validate yourself and your own identity and and naming naming something is a is a powerful powerful act kind of makes it real in a sense I think is a big part of it yeah and it's it's a way for it's a way to like fall back on something you know it's like because because there's so much imposter syndrome in the queer community and so much self-doubt because our society basically gaslights us all the time you know um, and so having that label, that's like, okay, yes, this is my label. This is who I am. I can rely on this, you know? And so if you're ever like, if you're ever feeling self-conscious or you're ever in doubt, you can be like, yeah, no, this is, this is my, this is me. This is my category, you know? Um, and even if that is like a, a very specific label, um, or even if it's just the label queer, you know, um, that any any specificity label can 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 serve that role if it needs to. Well, and I can imagine if you're someone who maybe isn't out or is who is kind of confused or unfamiliar with with some of the things that you're feeling and experiencing. If you see someone who uses this label that maybe you've never heard of before, but then you see this other person who's claimed it and who is 
like proud and who talks about it as if it's a normal part of life, because it is, even if that's not something that you've experienced, exactly. it can be really powerful to see that role model and to see that example of a person who is accepted and is living their best life, even if that's something that you can't even imagine having because of the circumstances that you're currently in. Like, that's a very powerful thing too. Yeah, absolutely. And even people who use different labels, that sort of representation can be super powerful, but especially if it's the same label, you know, it's like, okay, like this is, this is my person, you know, mm-hmm. we all need our person, uh, yeah. all of us. We all need that um, no matter what, what it is. Yeah. So um, I think the next thing we want to talk about is like the way that labels can play a role in like recognition societally and like social movements. So I think um, when we're talking about like the LGBTQ plus community in general and the fight for equality and for, you know, basic rights, labels are also super important in, in that area as well. Um, so having, you know, we talked earlier about the idea of like a community around shared experiences. Um, and we think when we think about the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, um, there's lots of very, very, very different experiences, you know, under that umbrella. Um, but I think having that whole like umbrella label of like LGBTQ plus um, is super useful in terms of like advancing equality for everybody within, within that label. Um, unfortunately, one of the things we have to be aware of is, you know, making sure that people aren't being marginalized within that group. Yeah. And I think that's a great point you make. Like it, this community is not, I think, monolith is the word you used earlier today. I can't remember if it was in this podcast or not, but there are very specific needs of very specific individuals and all of those needs need to be recognized. And I think sometimes those labels can add power or recognition to people or um, other identities or experiences that wouldn't necessarily otherwise be able to be so present or at the forefront, forefront as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that applies both like with with the LGBTQ plus community, like in relation to society, and then also within like subsets, um, like ASER, the ACER Arrow community, the non-binary community, the intersex community, um, in their relationship to the LGBTQ the LGBTQ plus community. Um, you know, and, and making sure that they're getting enough representation and they're getting their needs met as well. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um but on the other hand, you know, we do have all of these really powerful things associated with having these labels. Um, and as we kind of have mentioned, there are some things where the labels aren't these perfect definitions, like those academic papers where they have everything that they need to have. Like those, those definitions don't, aren't necessarily functionally useful in the same way that, you know, the label on a piece of, of clothing is in all contexts using the same exact definition. And, you know, it's, this is not just something, this is not just an issue with um, when we're talking about labels with queerness, right? Um, and, I, and the reason I'm immediately jumping onto this is because I think giving non-queer related examples will help people understand it. Um, you know, we see imperfect labels everywhere. Um, think about like, for example, tall and short, right? Um, those are two labels that obviously we use pretty frequently talking about people and they're useful right because you know there are there are broad categories of tall people and short people um but it's not like 
you know, everybody fits into one of those categories neatly, right? Somebody might look at a person and say, oh yeah, they're tall. And somebody might look at a person and be like, no, they're average height, they're not tall, right? Um, and so, you know, those labels are imperfect, but that doesn't mean they're not useful. And I, I think that that same sentiment applies within, you know, with, with queer labels as well. Yeah, and you can use one and have a way to define yourself or describe yourself. Um, and the definition that you use in the context of your own person is going to be slightly different from the context of someone, even if they have a bunch of shared experiences with you and use a very, use a term in a very similar way, it's still going to mean something slightly different just because of that, like individual perception, which is that same thing with like tall and short, where, you know, my own height, if I see, I'm five, six, if I see someone who's five, nine, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, they're kind of tall. But if I see someone who's five, five, I'm like, oh, you're shorter than me. So now you're like, I'm not short, I'm tall. So that own individual like perception that you have kind of can make a label and all of those individual like definitions, if we think about how many millions of people there are in this community, like all of those slight individual differences in how terms are used really can add a layer of confusion into the generalized definition that is kind of used when you're trying to talk about a whole group of people or a whole um, category or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, I want to touch again on that, what you brought up with, like, when you're looking at your height compared to other people, um, your opinion of yourself might change. Like if you're in a room full of people who are all six feet tall and you're, you know, five, seven or whatever, you're going to think you're pretty short. But if everybody else around you is five five or five two, you know you're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm pretty tall. Um, and so I think I think it's useful to think about that analogy, how that might apply to queer labels as well. Um, you know, if your um, your your perception of yourself and the labels you use to describe yourself might also be in relation to your surroundings. And we and when we think about you know our society and the ways that um, that homophobia and transphobia and other isms um, are, are baked into it, that mu that's probably having an effect on the labels people use for themselves as well. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think there's an element to this where there can be all of this, like these imperfect labels, because sometimes it's really hard, especially if it's not the label you use for yourself or the description you would use for yourself. It can be really hard to actually understand what a term means or what Absolutely. it is. Um, and I think that that kind of can breed some like confusion or some negative feelings when it's related to people not being able to understand who you are and you not being able to understand who other people are. I call this the alphabet soup phenomenon um, because so a lot of times people, um, and this is usually not, most of the time this is not in good faith. Um, but a lot of people will say, oh, you know, why are there so many letters in the LGBTQ plus acronym? It's just getting longer and longer and blah, blah, blah. And they still have the plus on the end, blah, 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 you know. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, like I said, a lot of times that's not good in good faith. But I think there is a good faith argument to be made there in that it's, it becomes unwieldy, right? Um, you know, and, and it can be confusing to have so many labels, um, and this is something we'll get way further into in a later episode of this podcast, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think having those, um, 
there's an argument to be made there, and there's also an argument to be made on the side that having those those very specific labels um, is empowering to the people who use them, and therefore it's important. So, um, yeah, like I said, I want I don't want to spend too too much time on that topic today, but um, we'll definitely get into it later. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think that kind of brings us maybe to this conclusion of. Um, perhaps this topic. And I think one of the main takeaways that I want all of you, if anyone is listening to take away from this is that these labels are really, really important. And it is absolutely important to do your best to understand what they mean to the people who are using them. Um, but also understand that it is going to be confusing and it sometimes is going to be hard to understand, but that isn't a good enough reason to not learn about it. I think, um, is as a takeaway at least I got from our conversation <laughs> yeah no absolutely and I mean I think um you know I think part of the thing is it's supposed to be confusing I mean it's not like it's not intentionally designed to confuse people but it's supposed to be complicated it's supposed to be weird um you know when we when we think about the label queer right it's it means odd right um because these these identities are considered different or weird by society. Um, and so I think, and that is reflected in the language that we have to talk about them. Um, so, so try to open your mind to talking about these things with um, language that might seem a little bit absurd to you um, mm -hmm. because sometimes that's what we have to do in order to communicate about them, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, love is weird, identity is weird, but we're here for it, <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Kate? No, I think I think um, I think we had a pretty pretty solid episode today, and I, I'm excited to um, explore these issues further in in future episodes as well. Yeah, join us for more um, rambling and diving down into rabbit <laughs> holes in our next episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening today. This is LGBTQ laughing, growing, bantering, and talking queerness from the LGBTQ plus culture center at IU Bloomington. I'm I'm Maureen. <laughs> And I'm Kate. Next time we'll be talking about what it means to choose a label. All right. We'll hope to see you soon. Bye all.